0: Be ready for everything and anything.
1: Every good player has the ability to slow the game down.
0: It doesn't matter what just happened. It's what you're going to do next.
1: Zone on three. One, two, three, Zone!
0: This episode is brought to you by Smushball, the official training ball of Zone Sports Academy. How many times you go to a game and there's no batting cages, no nets, and you only have a field to hit into? No problem. Smush balls are excellent because you can use them for hitting, fielding, catching, blocking, throwing, and much more. Smush balls are the perfect practice ball to use indoors or outdoors in rain or cold conditions, against fences, nets, and even in basements. We love them for all ages and skill levels. Smush balls, the pliable ball that you can count on. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran Or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches. But this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast, where we bring the latest insights and stories from the world of sports. We know how tough and rewarding it is to be a coach, and taking on the title of coach is a huge responsibility. I'm Duke Baxter with Steve Nickarak, inside Zone Sports Academy, and we have another great episode for you today. Last week, we spoke to Jack Farrick of Catchers U, and he educated us on catching tips, coaching philosophies, and everything catching. So, Coach Steve, what are we going to be talking about Today?
1: Yes, guys, welcome back. We've got uh, some really good questions for this week's episode. Some were submitted throughout the week, and some actually Duke brought up. Uh, all of them are really based around transitioning from spring ball into summer ball, and I feel like all of our listeners out there are going to be able to relate well. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about team culture.
0: I know this is something that's really challenging for a lot of teams. They're just bringing their kids together. They're playing on different teams, and now all of a sudden a coach has to bring them all together for the summer. So the first question is, how do you get your players, which are coming from all different schools, and bringing them in for the summer, how are you
1: successful year in and year out with your teams? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of coaches are going through that right now. You know, I coach our 17U group here, so we are just starting. We we had a scrimmage last night. We started up practices about two weeks ago. Um, Some guys were just finishing high school. Some of it have been done for a while. I think the one thing that stood out to me this spring was – the, the level of intensity that these guys had during high school ball. It was win at all cost. It was whatever we have to do to to help our team win and, and I thought that was special. And I and I really enjoy watching high school games for that reason. Guys are, are sprinting on and off the field. They're getting dirty. They're they're just out there grinding to try to win a championship. And I think sometimes when you transition in, into summer ball, specifically at my age group, showcases happen. So guys are you know, interested in, in college baseball and they're trying to get recruited. And, and I think there's a, a lot of gray area there because, you know, there's a disconnect from trying to win to then showcasing yourself and then getting to college and trying to win all over again. So, you know, I think the message that I sent to my team is, you know, we're going to try to win every game. I don't care if it's, a, if it's a showcase event. I don't care if it's a team camp. But we're going to go out there and try to win every single inning. I think guys end up playing better that way. Right. You're still putting the team first. It's it's we over me mentality. Um, you know, that's something that we, we try to stress a lot. And I think uh, the more you got, you can get your, your guys bought into let's win every single inning, let's put the team first, let's let's do what we can to, you know, extend the at bat, uh, you know, to pass it along to the next guy instead of being so focused on our own our own numbers and, and measurables and, you know, performing well in front of coaches. You know, I thought it was interesting a couple weeks back when we had coach Ryan Wheeler on here from St. Joe's, and he had mentioned, you know, he likes seeing kid, f- kids fail sometimes. And it's it's true, because you're going to get on campus, and and you're going to fail a lot. And I have kids, you know, not only on my team, but but players that I coach. And specifically, I had a girl two weeks ago that she had a big showcase coming up, and she was a little bit nervous. And I think, you know, my message to her was, listen, just play to help your team win you know coach is there to see you play because he knows you can play already now he wants to see what kind of a teammate are you um, you know do you hustle out after after rolling over a ground ball do you slam your equipment or put your head down after making an error or, or striking out so those are all the things that they want to see because when you get on campus it gets right back to win first this coach's job is on the line to win games so they want to recruit players and and build a roster and a culture around teams that are players that you know, form the best team, not the best group of individuals. So that's really the message that, that I sent to our, our guys week in and week out, that, you know, we are going to try to win every single pitch and go out there and compete and, and do what's best for our team. And then I think the wins and losses and the, the individual accolades are going to take care of themselves. How do you handle the different personalities? You know, you have some, some teams and
0: some kids that when a pitcher throws strike three, he does the old sword, or you have kids that are bat flipping, and on their high school teams – some of them, some coaches might think it's totally fine. And now taking some of those types of things and molding it into your team of how do you create rules or expectations or or whatever? Like how do you let your team know what's right and what's wrong? You know, cause I think that you know you can run into certain
1: circumstances like that, like you did last night. Yeah, you know, we had a scrimmage last night, and uh, and one of our pitchers got overly excited and. You know, I don't think it was intentional, but he showed up the batter from the other team. And listen, I'm not trying to take the fun out of the game, right? We watch guys in the big leagues do that stuff all the time. So kids are learning from watching major leaguers bat flip and, you know, have fun out there. So I'm not trying to take away from that, but we're absolutely not trying to show up the other team in any way. You know, I'm a a little bit old school when it comes to, you know, I, I love Mike Trout because he he hits home runs. He drops his bat and he puts his head down and runs around the bases. There, there's a time and place for that. Last night in our scrimmage was definitely not the time and place for it. So you know I let I let our pitcher know. Um, again, I don't think it was intentional, but it was just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I mean it's, it's just teaching kids to play the game the right way, right? You know, bat flipping on a ball, doing the sword on the mound. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I am a a fan of playing with fire. And I like when guys get out there and you know they're high energy and. You know, there's plenty of times, you know, we, we, we have a pitcher on the mound where he gets a big strikeout and, you know, he gives a big fist pump and yells. And that's okay because guys are going to make diving plays on the other team and strike us out and do the same thing. So I think there's, you know, there's a fine line between, you know, having a lot of energy and then doing something that's going to show up the other team. We're, we're not there to do that. So, you know, we're going to play with fire. We're going to be loud. We're going to have energy. We're going to be excited. And I think, uh, you know, you want to see that from your team and you want to see guys gelling and enjoying it and being kids. But um, you know, not crossing the line and you know showboating too much.
0: Do you see a lot of guys at your level? You know, once they sign or once they commit somewhere, you know, in the summer, you know, seeing a, a slight drop off of of commitment sometimes. And how do you how do you get them committed and and stay committed to the team? Because oh, this weekend is this, and oh, I got to go away for this weekend, or oh, you know, I think it it does get harder as the kids get older because more things are now. Wanting to take from their time,
1: I think the message you send to those players is the the hard work's really just beginning, right? Because you're going to get on campus in a couple months and you're going to be the freshman all over again that nobody cares about, and you've got uh, zero track record. Nobody cares about your high school accolades, and you've got to show up and earn a job. So it's great. That's the ultimate goal. We want to get to college baseball and college softball, but you know you have not accomplished all your goals by any means, right? We got to go out there and and outwork everybody around you. So. You know, for those guys that get lackadaisical and, you know, want to just kind of coast into college, well, they're in in for a rude awakening when when they get on campus in the fall. I think if you tone it down now to youth baseball, you have that kid that's playing
0: soccer, baseball, and football at the same time, and he's now getting tugged into three different directions during baseball season. I think that that's a different you know, different conversation. But I think a lot of coaches struggle with that as well. Like, how do you, what can they do? What should they do when Johnny's playing soccer on Tuesdays and he's got football practice on Fridays and Saturdays and he's missing their tournament on Sunday because, you know, he's got a, a rec soccer
1: game. You know, I think those those are all tough things for youth coaches. And you guys have heard us say this a lot. We're the biggest advocates for multi-sport athletes. We push guys in the fall to go play football and basketball or wrestling, whatever it might be in the winter. But I think during baseball season, it's baseball season. So, you know, I get frustrated when when my guys are missing because they're at lifting for football in June, but we have a practice or a scrimmage. You know, but I would never get frustrated if – we're playing fall ball, and they can't make practice because they've got football. Because in the fall, it's football first. In the winter, when we're, we're doing our winter training, well, it's winter sports first, baseball second. But uh, you know, I, I do think that during baseball season, baseball needs to be, be the priority.
0: And I think it's hard because you, know, we go to, you go to a showcase the following weekend, and all of a sudden the guy's wonder why he can't find his curveball or he can't hit his spots anymore. Well, it's because you, you, you missed practice all week. Because of all the other sports you were doing, and now you're trying to perform on the field when it really matters. You know, you have ten ten recruiters there going to watch you pitch or hit or field or play the game, and you're not sharp. And they wonder why they're not sharp. <laughs> and it's like, well, because you're you're not focusing on the things that you need to focus on to when you need to focus on them. You know, I think it's, I think I, I think that's tough a little bit when when you're trying to bring reality to it and you're trying to put them in a in a good situation and, and put them on a certain pedestal or you're, you're bringing the coaches to an event and you're like, okay, here you go. Now it's up to you. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're not performing that well, but it's not because of lack of skill, but there's just a lot that has to go into baseball
1: and a lot of training and practice to be successful day in and day out. No doubt. I got, a, I got a good one for you, Duke, and it kind of goes along the same lines of when we are talking about bat flipping, those guys that are high energy. Um what are some some things that you do during a game um during an intense game to stay calm yourself or or even try to keep the players calm? I think that's a
0: good one because man it's it's easy for me to to kind of go on tilt when i'm when I'm in a game and it's it's close our last game uh we were playing against Hillsborough, and it was a twelve u game and you know we were up six to one and I kind of i kind of slowed down a little bit, put some other guys in moved some guys into positions next thing you know there's an error here. Uh, a missed throw here and the kid hits a three-run dinger and next thing you know we're like oh my gosh it's 6-4 and then they ended up tying it up and then we went up by one the following inning and then they scored two more and it was a real intense game and a lot of times what happens is when kids get intense the more you get intense and the more you start yelling and screaming and calling things out and it's real easy to to overcoach when you're in a close game, you're putting different signs on and now maybe you're trying to hit and run when you haven't hit and run all season or, you know, you're, you're saying certain things to players. You're trying to put on a certain pickoff play that maybe you practiced one time and you think it's going to work in this situation. And then the kid throws it away and now two runs score and you're, you know, makes it even more intense um, and a lot more yelling going on. So in those real intense situations, I love to just... Call timeout. I love to just go out to the mound, or when the kids are coming off the field after a an intense inning, just just kind of get down on my knee and just talk to them. Hey guys, here we go. All right, we we gave up two runs, but but let's score two. Let's score three. Let's stay up in the dugout, but in a much more in a calmer voice than screaming at the kids and trying to get them fired up where they're already they already have their emotions flying left, flying right. They're going up, down. So I think a good way to do that is just to really lower your voice and to keep keep control of yourself first, because the players are gonna take on the energy of the coach. And the crazier you get, those ones that aren't used to getting crazier now all of a sudden, you know, outside of themselves and the ones that are high energy just are gonna be like roller coaster rides. And in those tight situations, you want them to be able to think and focus and, you know, just be able to regroup. So really making sure that your coaches and yourself are or, or getting calm in those situations where it's easy to get a little crazy.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the like the high energy kid versus the the not so high energy kid because there are guys that have their peak level of performance when they're running hot. And there's kids that can be, you know, fired up. I've got a football player on my team that, you know, when he's pissed off and yeah. and and not mad, but you know, he's got some fire, he's going to play better. And then there's other kids that are just calm, cool and collected and they just kind of go about their business. So you don't want to take a, a kid that's not used to playing with a lot of energy and throw him out there because then it, you know it's going to be all over the place. But um, you know I think everybody needs to be kind of coached and handled differently on your team. But uh, you know one thing that I've done, we'll always look over at the other team in those intense games, and when there's a coach going nuts. You know, I'll I'll bring our guys in. You know, when there's players on the other team going crazy, and I'm just gonna say, you know, we're not gonna be those guys today. All right, we're gonna play our game. We're gonna keep our head down. We're gonna do everything the right way. You know, things are gonna work out. There's no reason to up our level of you know intensity because those guys are going crazy. And you see that a lot, especially when you get to to playoffs and championships, because the kids care and they're out there fighting for a, you know, fighting for a championship or fighting for a win. So trying to keep everybody as I think as level-headed, even keel as possible.
0: And I think a lot of times some of those teams, they self-destruct themselves. They get so fired up that one guy makes an error and all of his buddies are yelling at him, and next thing you know, you're just like, they start crumbling, and now they're just getting on each other like they're the opponent of each other. And you're like, all right, we got them right where we want them now because they're just they're falling apart fast. Yeah, you're, um, not, playing, you're not playing middle <laughs> linebacker
1: in football, right? If you're out there and you're trying to field a ground ball, you can't be any more intense. You've got to stay smooth and... That's the beauty of baseball because you can have that fire, but there's also got to, got to be that smooth kind of rhythmic action to it. You can't, you know, just go 150 miles an hour at all times. I think while we're on the topic of getting heated up, I
0: got a topic. It's, I called it Umpires Gone Wrong. What do you do when the umpires are either rookie umpires or really inconsistent umpires? How do you handle that situation as a coach? Because you've seen all of it, really good guys, and you've seen guys that aren't good. You've seen the guys that just, they want to be the ones that are controlling the entire game. And then you have the rookies that are just, almost really don't even know what what to be calling out there. So, how do you handle that situation as a coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been on the, the good end, bad end of that multiple times. And I'm just as guilty as anybody of, you know, letting an umpire hear it when they're really bad. Um, That was, you know, a couple years back. I'll never forget. Duke and I were coaching together, and we lost the game where we had grinded and battled back, and, you know, the ball bounced after home plate, and the umpire called strike three to end the game. And I lost my cool a little bit um, really just because he took the game out of the players' hands 99% of the time. That was probably the most mad I've ever been. You know, I think trying to stay calm, just like we talked about in in those high-pressure situations or, you know, when an umpire is making a mistake – you screaming and yelling from the dugout isn't going to do any good, right? You constantly nagging on the guy or yelling at him, you know, on top of the parents on your team yelling at him because now all of a sudden your players are going to want to start getting on him. You know, I think it starts in the beginning. We talked last week about the catcher umpire relationship. Well, the coach umpire relationship is, is just as important, if not more important. So, you know, I always like to go out there, introduce myself, get their first name. I write their name on my lineup card from there you know, it might be small talk. How's your weekend going? How many games are you jumping today? You know, create that relationship to where, you know, there's an open line of communication. You know, then if there's questionable calls, maybe in between innings, you're walking out to coach third base or first base, you stop by and, and just ask them, hey, where'd you have that pitch? Or, you know, is my guy missing off the plate? Start it from there. And, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get a lot better feedback. Doing it that way, then you will screaming and yelling from the dugout. And I, I've done it both ways. I've, I've gotten on umpires from the dugout before, um, but I've also gotten on a first name basis with them, where I can actually talk to them. And you know, when you start to get on their good side a little bit, you'll start to get more, more, more borderline calls. You know, so I think staying respectful no matter what is key. And then for the rookie guys, you know, they're out there. They don't want to mess up, right? They don't know better. I think right now there's an umpire shortage. There was a game. Last week, they got canceled because they didn't have umpires. So, you know, those guys are out there learning and trying to get better the same way our players are, understanding that they're not perfect, right? If you're coaching 12U baseball, you know, half the time those guys are volunteers, um, especially for rec ball. And then when you, get, when you get to travel, they're making 75 bucks a game. Um, you know, they're out there trying to, you know, have a little side hustle and make some money and may, maybe they just love the game. But more times than not, when I've had those conversations, these umpires love being out there. Introduce yourself. Be respectful. Get on a first name basis. Communicate throughout the game. You know, if they make a if they make a great call, maybe you know, whisper to them on the walk on, on the walk by. You know, good job right there. You made made the right call. And then if they make the wrong call, handle it the exact same way. And you coaches out there, we had uh,
0: United umpires were here. We had two awesome guys came and we were just talking about umpires and talking about. Like Coach Steve said, coach umpire relationship, what coaches should do, how to contest a call, how to, you know, how to take the ground rules and all that stuff. And one and the umpire said this and it stuck with me. He said, Don't make it personal. So when you're a coach, don't say, You're a bad umpire. You are bad. You can say, You made a bad call, or you can say, you know, you can talk about what he did, not him as a as like as a personal like you know, jolt at him. He goes, because that's what just gets me so fired up when they t- say that I'm bad or, or, you know, that sort of thing opposed to my call. And, uh, you know, I read something yesterday. It was, it was on CBS, and they were, there was a place in Kansas that they had, to, they had to actually cancel the tournament because two of the parents and one of the coaches threatened the umpires. So the umpires then went to the the main guy, and they canceled the entire tournament and it was on CBS news like on one of the and I was like what in the world is like what is going on so now they're saying they don't even know when they're going to have another tournament because it's not worth it <laughs> you're, you know you're getting your life threatened because you you called strike 3 and <laughs> I think it's just you know it's tough and I think that we just need to make sure that we keep our cool and understand why we're there we're there for the kids and how we react and respond to a call is exactly what our kids are going to do and the players and then the parents so again coaches that's why taking on the title of coach is so hard because everything falls back on you you as a coach how you handle yourself is going to be how everybody else in the organization and the parents you know handle themselves so we got to be really careful whether we like it or not you're always on the spotlight so yeah and i think i think <laughs>
1: <laughs> like Duke said, you can't lose sight of where you're at and what you're you're doing and trying to accomplish. We we all laugh when Aaron Boone gets ejected 25 times a year and goes nuts and he's spitting and cursing and screaming and, like, the Yankee fans are cheering. And we love seeing that because he's trying to fire up his team. But we can't do that for 12U baseball. <laughs> we, we can't be the guy out there, you know, <laughs> causing a scene because, really, it, it's embarrassing. And I think looking back, you're going to say, why did I handle myself that way? This guy is... You know, not only doing his normal 9-5 to job during the week, but now he's out here on the weekends umpiring my son's baseball game, and I just blew up on him. And we see those horrific scenes of guys in fist fights and basketball gyms. I mean, I see it all winter long. So, yeah, don't be that guy. I got one more here for you, Duke, and I think this this one's going to resonate with a lot of people because, you know, guys are going now from their spring league. um, It could be rec ball, it could be travel ball, and then transitioning into – districts and tournament play. So what do you do differently as a coach, you know, when you start entering these weekends with six, maybe seven games versus, you know, your weekend doubleheaders all spring?
0: I'd I'd say the first thing and the most important thing is to make sure you know the rules because there are so many rules, whether you're going from USABL or perfect game or triple crown or you know, depending on the, the tournament that you're in, you have to know the rules. You have to know how many players, how many hitters are can hit. What are the EHs? Are they DHs or EHs? You know, what are the actual rules and really getting an understanding? You know, are there balk warnings? Are there not balk warnings? Can you do the first and third pickoff play? Can you not? So make sure you know the rules. The second thing is especially going from rec to travel and talking about the, the younger coaches out there with the younger kids is let the parents know if things are gonna be changing. So when you go into districts, you can't bat everybody, it's just a rule. Meanwhile, all through spring ball, you're batting all 11 guys and everybody's hitting, everybody's going in the field, it's, it's unlimited substitution and it's a piece of cake. Nobody's complaining, everyone's playing. Now all of a sudden you get into districts and you can only bat nine with the DH. And once he's at DH, he can't go back in the game. Only nine are playing, which means two are sitting on the bench. And now all of a sudden you're getting these questions. Why is my son sitting? Why is this? Or the parents asking the son, how come you sat today? And the son doesn't have any idea why he's... So I think coaches, make sure you send an email out and you also talk to the parents about what summer ball is going to be like. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We can only bat 10, so we're going to try to... You know, adjust to see who sits from game to game, maybe, or you know, some kids are just gonna sit more than others. And this is this is how we're gonna go about doing it so that the parents do know. That way that's not every single time at dinner time mom's asking the son what's gonna happen. Are you playing today? Are you not playing today? You know, don't put more stress on the players or the coaches by asking those questions. So I think that's number one. Number two, during the season, making sure that you're getting as many kids pitching as possible because when you head into those long weekends you're not just playing one single game on a Sunday you're playing two on Saturday then you're playing another game on Sunday morning and that sets up the pool to figure out who's making the playoffs so you may play maybe playing five games or six games in a weekend so you have to make sure that all hands are on deck all the time that your pitchers are ready you have you know enough pitching so that you're not burning out the same kids over and over and over again But I think that's really important. Know the rules, talk to the parents, talk to the kids, and do the best you can to keep all the kids safe. But it all starts with spring ball. You know, not waiting until last minute and be like, oh no, we have a tournament this weekend and I only have three pitchers and we have five games. Well, that's not going to work out too well. So making sure that you're preparing throughout the season for when you get to the summer. But man, the summer season is so fun. The games are intense there's a lot on the line, and like Coach Steve said, sometimes it's easy for us to just fall off the deep end when certain things happen, but we have to realize, okay, next weekend's going to be another tournament. It's going to start from scratch. This weekend's over. This game's over. You know, and uh, just have fun playing all summer long because it's going to go by like that, and you want to give them the best experience you possibly can. Yeah,
1: the only thing I would say, like, just like Duke finished there, slow down and enjoy it. Um, it sounds like it's it's a long time, but like he said, it goes by really, really fast. So, you know, take it game by game. Don't look at it as, you know, we've got to win this tournament this weekend. Just win the game today. Win each inning. You know, slow down. Enjoy the amount of time you have to spend with the kids because, you know, they're going to they're gonna remember those things. They're not going to remember how many trophies they won. They're going to remember, you know, the trip down to Ripken or the trip up to Cooperstown and, you know, what they're doing in between games to have fun with their teammates. Um, so that's that's all I would add. Really just – you know, try your best to slow down. Don't look don't look forward to it ending. You know, don't look towards the end goal too much. You know, stay stay present and, and focus on the day-to-day. So thanks for joining us on the Get Zoned In Podcast. We hope you've
0: enjoyed this episode and found it helpful and informative. If you like what you heard and you want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and other channels. Also, you can follow us on social media at Zone Sports and at Dominate the Diamond. We'll be back with more tips, insights, and expert interviews to help you become a better youth baseball coach. We also want to hear from you, so you can email us at info at DominateTheDiamond.com or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Get Zoned In podcast. Until then, keep coaching, keep learning, and keep making a positive impact on your players. Go out and dominate the day.